You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode 27, airing on March 5th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills to engage and develop the people they lead. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your coaching skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is how to coach others to be more productive. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, and happy March to you. If you're here in the States, you are getting ready for springtime. If you're somewhere else in the world, you may be getting ready for winter uh, just around the corner in a few months here. And regardless of where you are, it's a time of change. It's a time of change in my life as well. Bonnie and I are getting used to being parents now. It's our one-month anniversary with our son, uh, this week. And so we're excited and adjusting a change and trying to figure out how to keep ourselves productive. And so productivity has been something that's been on my mind a whole bunch as we try to figure out how to balance our new parental responsibilities and put that first, but also still do all the things that we've committed to do in the world as far as uh, helping others and doing our uh, doing our work to earn a living and all those things. Curiously, they don't. Uh, there's not really a good model for just being a parent and taking vacations and not actually working. That, that does not seem to work. If anyone's figured that out, <laughs> email me and let me know. But uh, we have been thinking a lot about productivity recently and good balance for that. And I know that that's something that is on the top of the minds of many of the leaders that I've worked with and coached over the years and as I've coached people, one of the things that tends to get in the way for many, many employees uh, or volunteers is being able to have good systems to stay productive. And if you're listening to this show, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're doing at least an average job of keeping yourself productive, if not uh, doing a very good job and keeping yourself uh, really motivated and moving forward. And, and you see yourself as someone who's able to influence people well, and you're able to balance your workload, but you may not know some of the good tools and resources for how to really do that for others. And so today's episode is going to be looking at what are some things that you can do to coach others to be more productive. And I have some thoughts on that and some good tools and resources for you. And as you're listening today, as you're hearing those tools and resources, and as you have maybe other ideas or questions for me, please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at 949-38-LEARN. That's our community feedback line. And you can also send email to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Now, that's a new email address for those of you who listen to the show often, and I'll speak to that here a little later in the show. So again, that's feedback at coachingforleaders.com, or you can Skype us, and our Skype name is Innovate Learning. Now, one of the things that tends to happen with productivity, and especially these days, is uh, you know, there's a lot of obstacles that get in our ways to being productive as leaders, and there's also a lot of obstacles for 
the people that we are leading and the people that we're influencing. And, you know, one of the biggest obstacles, I think, for many of us is that more and more people are being called upon to be leaders these days. It used to be, you know, even 10 years ago, certainly 15, 20, 25 years ago, that the term leader was reserved for somebody in a very uh, high up position with a very fancy title in a large organization as the person who did all the influencing and telling people what to do. And that is really the way of the past, at least from my perspective and the clients I work with these days, is that if you work in just about any kind of organization, almost everybody is being called on to be a leader these days. And that's why this show's name is Coaching for Leaders and not Coaching for Managers, because although many people who listen to this show are managers, really we are all being called upon to be leaders in our organizations, regardless of the positions that we hold. And, you know, there used to be very clear definitions of what you did or did not do. And you waited, many people waited in organizations for someone to give them an assignment and tell them what to do and how to spend their time. And the world has changed. The business world, uh, especially the corporate world, is now expecting almost everyone to take on a leadership role, to be proactive, to be innovative, to be thinking of new ideas. And the organizations that have not yet made those transitions are the organizations that are being left behind. And so that's an obstacle, though, because people who were never called upon to be leaders and influence others and manage their time effectively for themselves are now being asked to do that substantially and in many, many ways. Uh, the other challenge that many of us have and with the people we work with is, is we're all being overwhelmed with information in ways that we never were, even five or 10 years ago. The amount of volume of email that we all get on a daily basis. I know my email box is crazy. And when I talk with people I work with, uh, I'm actually on the lower end of email. Uh, I have clients who get two, three, four hundred emails a day and and many of them that they need to respond to and handle. Uh, instant messages, conference calls, webinars, text messages. There's so much that's coming at us on a daily basis that we are just overwhelmed in this information age with information. And it's a great blessing to have access to all this data and information it can also be very overwhelming and can stifle our productivity. And of course, especially these days, and with the economy the way it is in many parts of the world right now, every organization is asking people to do more with fewer resources. So not only are we asking almost everyone in an organization to be a leader in some capacity, but we're asking them to do it uh, with less budget, with less time, in some cases with fewer resources. And so all these things together add up to a really tough situation for a lot of people who don't always have the best tools to be productive. And so I'm I'm hopeful that that there's a couple of ideas here that will be helpful to you as you're coaching people. And if you're in a role of influence, whether you manage people or not, if you're listening to the show, you're in a role of influence in some way. Uh, either in your organization, in your volunteer work, in your family, is there are some things that you can do to coach 
the people that you lead and you influence that will help them to be a little bit more productive and give them some guidance during a time that is very challenging for many people to stay productive. So here's a few things that you can do when you're coaching people and helping them or trying to help them to be a little bit more productive. So first and foremost, one of the most important things that we can all do if we're putting on our coaching hats is to take the time to understand the current situation. I've mentioned this before, and you know, doctors know this very well, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And so whenever you go to a doctor's office, they always spend time first by, uh, by design of taking your temperature, weighing you, uh, checking your blood pressure, all the things to assess first and to find out what's going on first before the doctor comes in and even even shows up in the room and then comes in and you know ultimately writes a prescription or gives advice on what they want you to do to resolve whatever the concern is. Well, we should be doing the same thing with people we're influencing is we want to start off first of all to take the time to understand the current situation and to see what they are doing. And so whenever I have coached someone who I'm influencing or leading uh, either in a formal way or maybe it's just a colleague or a peer of mine that is looking either is struggling with productivity or in many cases has come to me for advice or clients come to me for advice. One of the first things that I always ask is how are you making decisions about where to spend your time? And that's the first question I'll always throw out. And what happens often is that they don't know how to answer that question. And the uh, that's a very insightful thing for both me and for them working with them because it is an indicator to both of us that they don't have a system for deciding how they're spending their time. So that's one thing I always want to ask first is I wanna figure out do they have a system? And if they do, is that system working for them and what are they doing with that system? Another question that I often will ask is what obstacles are getting in your way of being productive? And we'll spend some time of trying to really figure out uh, not only what their current system is, but what obstacles are they running into? And I will tell you, having done this many times over the years and having coached folks around these two questions, is that you can make a substantial amount of progress in helping a person to be more productive just by having some dialogue here first. Uh, there's always the temptation, especially when coaching someone and helping someone to be more productive, to jump in right away and to start giving them lots of advice on things they can change. Now, that may be appropriate, and I'm going to talk about some things here in a few minutes, which are general pieces of advice that can work very well for people, but that's not very helpful until we've tried to determine first what's really going on. And I've had many conversations over the years where we've never gotten beyond these two questions because we've uh, the, the person that I've been coaching has figured out pretty quickly they don't really have a system for deciding where to spend their time, and they haven't spent sometime really thinking about what are the major obstacles that are getting in their way. And once we have some dialogue about that and we determine what those obstacles are and whether that system's there or not, then we start having a conversation about what would the system look like? 
And that answer is going to be different for everybody. And that's one of the things that we should know as leaders is that there are so many wonderful systems for time management and productivity out there in the world. And they all work <laughs> and they all don't work. It's kind of like diet programs. You know, they all work for, for a certain group of people if you follow them. But the, the thing is, is that it's the right solution for you. And productivity is very personal and having the right time management productivity system is personal for each individual. So starting there first, taking the time to understand what's going on, oftentimes will start to open up a dialogue about how that person can keep themselves productive and accountable for the things that they want to get done. And ultimately, of course, as their coach, you want them taking ownership for that solution. Now, there are some certainly suggestions that I often have for people that I've coached and when they've asked for my advice on productivity that I find is very helpful and might be helpful to you. So as you start to engage in this conversation about productivity, there's some other uh, other tools and resources that might be helpful. So one of the things that I will often suggest to people I'm leading when we're talking about productivity is do you have clarity on what your weekly priorities are? And I find that with most people, um, you know, most of us, and I certainly used to do this as well too, is the average person in the workplace or in the organization or that showing up for the board meeting it walks in and uh, gets to work, uh, attends the meeting, comes in Monday morning, starts attending meetings, gets on their email. That's the first thing many of us do these days starts returning phone calls and messages, uh, spends most of the first day of the week kind of doing that, getting caught up, kind of getting their engine started for, you know, what is ahead that week. And, you know, does the same thing when they come into work Tuesday morning. And usually sometime around uh, midday Tuesday to late Tuesday starts really starting to think about, okay, what do I actually need to get done this week? And, and unfortunately, it's not even usually done with uh, the thought of being proactive. Usually uh, it's, it's done more so with the thought in my experience of watching people is, oh my gosh, it's Tuesday afternoon and I haven't gotten anything done this week yet. And, and a lot of people approach their work week that way is they show up and they see what's there and they spend a lot of time reacting to it. And then it's Monday evening, Tuesday morning, sometimes Wednesday midday until they really start to think about or panic about what have I not gotten done this week? And then all of a sudden they're working late and they're working from home and it's a, it's a down it's a downward spiral. And so one of the things I always will ask people is what are your weekly priorities this week. In my experience, people will have a general idea, but it's not often on the top of their mind, and it's certainly not informing their actions when they show up to work. They're reacting instead of responding to things that are happening in the workplace. One of the things that I found that's been very successful over the years is when coaching people on productivity is having them uh, determine what are the three or five, four or five things that are most important for you to be productive on this week. Now, depending on the person's role and their 
job responsibilities, those three or four or five things may stay pretty similar week to week, or they may change. I know in my line of work, they often change the three or four or five things. And so one of the things that I always want to do when coaching people is I want to ask them that and to see if they know what those things are. And then once they do, then do the actions they've planned out match the three or four or five most important things? And so I'll also always ask, what's most important for you to accomplish this week to move forward on your goals? And hopefully, if it's someone that you're leading, you've already been having conversations with them all along about what their goals are and what are the things that are going to help them to be successful, not only for themselves, but the organization. If you haven't been having those conversations, you should be. And so you may want to go back first and have that conversation because you can't have a conversation about being productive if you don't know first about what you're going to be and needing to be productive on. So I'm uh, saying all that with the assumption that that conversation has already happened. If it hasn't, go back and have that conversation first. But we want to really engage the other person of asking them, what's most important for you to move forward on your goals this week? Uh, I don't want as a leader to always be dictating that. If I'm telling them what's most important each week, then I am not giving them ownership to make decisions on that and to be um, smart, intelligent contributors to the organization that are going to forgive the cliche, think outside the box and take ownership for their actions. I don't want them always relying on me to tell for me to tell them what's most important. And so I want to really put that onus back on them. Now, that's not to say we don't have dialogue about it. Of course, we can have dialogue about that, but I really want them to drive that conversation and for me to do some coaching around that. Now, once that those three or four or five things are very clear, uh, I want for that person to be able to go into the week with a plan, a plan of action. Now, that plan may be different depending on the person and the job responsibilities and the type of organization, but I want there to be some sort of plan because most people go into the workplace on Monday morning or Sunday or whenever their work week starts, and they spend a lot of time reacting to things. And that's just a recipe for disaster. And, uh, you know, when you think about professions that take this very seriously and believe strongly in productivity and safety, I think of the airline industry and I think of pilots. Uh, Pilots are uh, folks who are always planning ahead and always you know when a pilot is uh, getting ready to fly a a commercial airliner across the country or even a short trip there is tremendous planning that goes into that there are flight plans that are filed Uh, there is as much time spent on the ground preparing for the flight as there is up in the air now we don't see it a lot of the times as passengers but pilots of planes constantly are planning and anticipating obstacles that could come up. And here's the thing, the plan almost always changes the minute they get up in the air because the weather patterns change, the winds change, uh, the prevailing temperature, you know, everything changes, but they start with a plan and then they can adapt from it. One of the most common obstacles I find with people as I coach them on productivity is they'll say, well, I don't want to create a plan 
because it's just going to change anyway. And the answer I always say was, of course, it's going to change. But if you walk into the week without any plan or any sense of where you're going to be spending your time and resources, you will be completely at the mercy of other people and other forces. Whereas if you go in with a plan, you can adapt and change along the way so that not only are you able to be responsive, but that you're able to be able to adapt to getting the things done that are most important to you. And one of the things that I always encourage people to do is to walk into the week, have planned out some things you're going to get done, but also to uh, you know, be able to pull out uh, some time to not schedule things. And I'll have people, uh, I'll have people pull out their calendars and let's say, you know, let's spend some time uh, figuring out where you're going to put different things. And, and one thing, by the way, um, I, I would strongly urge you to coach people on and to give some feedback on. And, and this is something that I think pretty much every time management productivity system I've ever seen advocates for is if people are going to use a calendar and in most organizations these days, you have to have some sort of calendar to know how you're going to be using your time and meetings and all that is get people to use one calendar. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how often I run into situations where people have half their appointments on their iPhone, uh, a third of their appointments on a paper calendar, and then they've got some in the email and they're never, they've never got it all straight and they spend uh, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes a day just trying to figure out where they're supposed to be, where they're utilizing their time and their resources. Don't let people do that in your organization. If you're leading them, uh, challenge them to get onto one calendar. Now, uh, you know, in some organizations, it's not appropriate or even allowed to have your personal items on a professional calendar. So I can, I can understand that you may have a personal calendar and you may have a professional calendar, but even then I would still encourage you if you can, and your organization allows it to get, get people on one calendar at the very least though, get all, get people's, all their professional things on one place, get all their personal things on one place, because that will save them and you a lot of frustration, and then everything's in one place, and they can make very clear decisions about how they're using their time or not using their time well. So get everything in one place. It doesn't matter where, just one place. If the iPhone is going to be the place that's going to be the primary calendar, marvelous. If it's going to be Lotus Notes on the computer, great. If it's a handheld uh, device or it's a uh, even a eight and a half by 11, uh, you know, sheet of paper, that's fine. It doesn't have to be electronic. The electronic systems and paper systems are no better or worse. It is personal preference, but make sure they have one place to capture everything. And then one of the things to always do is to leave space for the inevitable. I love the quote from Dale Carnegie, in his book, How to Stop Warring and Start Living. He says, cooperate with the inevitable. Uh, we all know that the, the way it works in most organizations, and this is different for some and, and less so for others, but, but in every organization, there are inevitable things that are going to change that we can't anticipate. 
you know, we want to leave space for the inevitable that's going to come up, the interruptions, the changes, the creativity that we tap into, uh, you know, even the things like, <laughs> you know, not always being 100% efficient, daydreaming that occasionally we all do in our, our jobs. And so we want to, we don't want to get to the other extreme either. And I've seen people do this when they start trying to get their, get a handle on their time management, their productivity, is they'll start uh, planning out every single hour or half hour of the day and they'll plan out exactly what they're going to do. That extreme is also not healthy because it doesn't allow for the inevitable changes that are going to come up. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes people will say, well, well, I can't, I can't possibly know what's going to come up because I, you know, I don't know what interruptions are going to be like. And, and I'll always come back at people and say, but you know, generally what your weeks are like, you know, you've been doing this job for however long, a year, five years, 10 years, however long they've been doing the job. They generally know how much of their week they can count on that they can plan out and have control over. And they know how much of their week is going to be the responsive to customers or things are going to come up that they can't plan for. And yeah, there's always going to be the exception of a week. That's kind of the outlier, but most people after you've been in a job for a short period of time can get a pretty good feel for how much time they're going to need to leave free in their calendar. So that's what you should coach people to do is if you know that 50% of your day is not going to be yours, have people block out 50% of the time in their calendar and just have that call that flex time or whatever it is, or time to be responsive to customers, whatever you call it, of cooperate with that inevitable uh, time that they're going to need. Now, here's a couple of other of key pieces of advice for productivity. Block time for email. Block time for email. Email is a productivity killer for so many of us. And I'll tell you, I struggle with this too. I am on email way too much. And I know that when I set aside specific times of the day to process email, I am so much more quick and efficient with responding to things. I work through my inbox quickly and then I shut it down and I turn it off. And then I come back to it later in the day. And if you can do that, It'll save you so much time and energy, but more importantly is it won't interrupt you constantly. Uh, the, the worst thing about email is not the quantity of it, it's the interruptions. And I have seen studies that show that uh, the average email takes you off task nine minutes when an email shows up and you open it up and you know some of them you delete right away, but other emails you open it up and depending on who it's from might take you off task for the next two hours. The average is nine minutes. So if you get 200 emails a day times nine minutes, that starts to add up quite a bit. So here's what I advise you to do. When you're not processing email, turn off the email program. Turn off all those notifications, those the outlook, the dings, the badges, the alerts, the instant messages. I have all of those turned off on all my email programs, even when my email's on. Unless I'm looking right at the screen, uh, my computer does nothing to tell me I've gotten an email. I turned off all the badges on my phones and iPads and all that stuff. You can turn all that stuff off. And that way you have control over how you respond to people. Uh, one of the things that uh, you know I'm always amazed of and, and I'm amazed in myself is you know, email is really just a mailbox. None of us go out to our physical mailboxes and check them every five or 10 minutes throughout the day. 
And I certainly don't run out to our home email or our home mailbox and check it many, many times a day. And, uh, and, and just because the mail's only showing up once a day and I process it once a day when I go out and get the physical mail. Well, just because email's showing up all day long doesn't mean that you have to constantly be processing it. Now, I know in some organizations that you have to be on email more so than others. And depending on your job and your responsibilities, you may not need to be on email a lot. But even in those situations, at the very least, get yourself off email a half hour or an hour a day. And as you're coaching people who are trying to be more productive, get them off email too. Make the space in your organization for that to happen. If it's not okay, make it okay for that to happen and have fun with it. You could have an email-free Friday. You could have an email-free afternoon. Um, I've heard of organizations that have designated days of the week to be off email and the amazing amount of productivity that they pick up as a result of that. So something to keep in mind. And then finally, my last piece of advice for today is make sure people are using realistic task lists. Uh, And I mean realistic versus what I call aspirational. And I say this because it takes one to know one. I used to do this all the time with my task list, and sometimes I still do, and I have to always coach myself on this, is you know how you do, you write down everything that you're going to try to get done that day, and you've got 40 things on your task list, and you know, and anyone who looks at it could tell, there's no way that you're going to get all those things done. And so you get to the end of the day, and you had those 40 things on your task list, and you were able to cross off six of them, And you still have 34 things on your task list. And so, yeah, you got six things done, but you see those 34 things that are still there. And what do you do? Well, you take the whole list and you add it to the task list that was written for tomorrow that already had 15 things on it, plus 34. I'm not very good with math, but let's say that's 49. And people do this throughout the week. They keep going and they add to their task list. They get to the end of the week. They have hundreds of things on their task list. They may have gotten a lot done during the week, but they feel like they didn't because they got all these things on their task list. They kept spending each day moving things over to task list. Here's what I advise you to do. And this advice comes from David Allen at the David Allen Companies. He's the author of Getting Things Done, which is a great book on time management. If you're looking for ideas on how to be productive, I'll put a link to him in the show notes. But one of the things that you can absolutely do is keep your task list just a list of things you have to get done today, things that can't wait till tomorrow. And that way you'll take your task list a lot more seriously. You'll only have three or four things to get done. You'll feel a tremendous sense of accomplishment. And when you're coaching others, this is something that I find is tremendously helpful for people. If they can get to the end of the day and have crossed off either most or all of their task list, they leave feeling great. It's amazing to see the difference with people of having marked off an entire task list versus people who carry a task list with them over day after day after day. And often it's not because they worked any harder, but the psychological change of doing that and being able to stay focused and to have a sense of accomplishment is key. Progress, even small steps in progress is key. So I strongly encourage you to coach people who are having a tough time with productivity to make a realistic versus an aspirational task list. Now you can still have another task list somewhere else for what David Allen calls the someday maybe stuff. 
as stuff comes up and you don't want to forget about it, you can have a separate task list somewhere that says, all right, I'm just going to add to that list. And that'll be the someday maybe things that I'll get done next week or the week after or whenever. But keep today's task list with just today's tasks. Now, this is a, a whole bunch of advice. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot to jump in and to process right away. So what you may want to do is if you're coaching someone on their productivity, you may want to jump back online on our website and look up the show notes for this show because that'll give you all of the things I suggested here in uh, a somewhat organized fashion and productive fashion. And uh, by the way, as you've been listening to me and have some questions or comments or feedback, by all means, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what things are working for you as a leader when you've coached people and what you've found has really worked for them. So I encourage you, please reach out to me via phone. That's 949-38-LEARN. And of course, our email address, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And our Skype name is Innovate Learning. Now, this is normally the part of the show where I uh, get uh, get some community feedback from folks who are listeners. Now, I actually uh, don't have a bunch of feedback this week, so I thought I'd mention just a couple of quick things and go back to uh, something I mentioned a few weeks ago. I mentioned, uh, I think a couple episodes ago, maybe have been episode 24 or 25, that we were thinking about changing the name of this show um, because we didn't have the domain name for coaching skills for leaders. And so we were thinking of maybe changing the name and uh, we went around in circles on it a few times and did some brainstorming and uh, we did change the name of the show. You may not have even noticed though. We just took out one word. We took out skills and this is now coaching for leaders instead of coaching skills for leaders. Hey, it's the same show. So don't worry about anything. But the great thing is, is we do own that domain. So the great uh, news for us is that uh, we can keep that name and keep this show as that name long term. And it's also going to be easier for our listening audience, too, because that's a much easier domain to remember coaching for leaders than our Innovate Learning, our company name that produces the show. And so uh, if you want to reach us anytime with comments or questions, now you can actually just send feedback to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And you can also visit that address directly, coachingforleaders.com, and that will take you directly to a list of all of the shows that we've produced in this series and the show notes for all of the shows. And I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before, but there's also a place on all of those show notes for each show that we publish where you can leave comments or questions right on our website as well. So if that's something that you'd like to do and jump in on the conversation, we hope that you take the opportunity to do that. We'd love to hear from you and hear your feedback. And I know that the resources and tools that we have up there will be very helpful to you. And of course, that's where the show notes are going to be for this episode at that website, coachingforleaders.com. And you can find them there. This is episode number 27. And so all the notes for everything I mentioned today will be up there. Hey, if you or your organization are looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, let us know. We might be able to help. That's what we do. You can reach us at 949-38-LEARN. And of course, you can email feedback to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So glad to be with you back for another episode here coming up in a week. 
We are going to be doing a couple episodes on productivity coming up. So stay tuned for more skills, resources, tools, and coaching around that. And in the meantime, I wish you a great week. Look forward to talking with you online, everyone. Take care.